Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, good morning, Blue Ridge Church. It is great to see you today. Welcome to those of you that are joining us, our online campus. Man, I can't believe that you're here. You know, you lost an hour of sleep last night. There may have been a ball game that you stayed up late to watch, but you're here, and I so appreciate you being here. Do you know this is the least attended Sunday for churches in America when we change the clocks? That's why they let me speak on this Sunday. They're like, well, there won't be anybody there. We'll let him talk, right? But I'm so glad that you're here. And listen, if this is your first time here or your first time joining us online, thanks. Uh, We really mean what we say in that video. We're not going to single you out. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to do anything strange. We're just glad that you've joined us. And I truly think that you have joined us at a great time because of the series that we're kicking off today called Unstrapped. And what we're going to do in this series is we're really going to look at financial health. We're going to look at financial fitness. We're going to look at what God says about good stewardship, biblical stewardship, so we can begin to get unstrapped when it comes to money. Now think about the world we live in right now. What conversation do you hear all the time? Whether you turn on the news, whether you're on Facebook, whether uh, you're talking to people at work or amongst your families, there's a lot of discussion going on about the economy, right? The world economy. You shut down this currency because of what this country's doing and how that impacts everybody else. And then there's a lot of discussion about the United States economy. You hear about debt. You hear about income. Uh, the word we hear 10, 20, 30 times a day, inflation. You ever, have you ever heard that word recently, inflation? You know, I go away for one week and let Matt speak, and I come back and gas is 90 cents higher. I don't, I don't know what y'all did while I was gone. But you don't have to look very far to see that everything is going up. Gas is up groceries are up. And these aren't just things we want. These are things that we need. Housing prices, rent. If you're looking for a house and you're lucky enough to be able to put a bid in on a house right now, more than likely you're going to pay over the asking price. There's talk about interest rates. There's talk about cryptocurrency and debt to income ratios. It's crazy. It's crazy. A lot of you, maybe you got a raise the end of last year. You know, in December, you got a bonus, you got a raise. You're like, man, this is awesome. This is great. And then by January 30th, it was all gone. Just simply paying for necessities. And I'm sure as we go through this series and as we talk about finances and financial fitness, as we talk about money, when we look at our own life, we look at our personal life, there's been times in your life when you've had extra resources Right? And then there's been times in your life, like my life, you haven't had any extra resources. You haven't had any extra money. And I personally, I like the times I've had extra a, a lot better than the times when I haven't had anything. But I truly believe one of the most spiritual things that we can do is learn about money and how to handle money and learn God's principles for stewardship. 
Now, maybe you're watching at home or you're in here and you're like, I don't care what God has to say about money. I don't follow God. That's the beauty of this series and actually a lot of the series that we do at this church. It doesn't matter where you fall on that spiritual spectrum, whether you follow God, whether you don't follow God. What we're going to talk about works. And so here's where I encourage you, if that's where you are, just listen. Just listen to what God says and see. Make the decision for yourself. Does this apply to my life or not? And so one of my goals in this series is really to turn our world upside down on the way we think about finances and the way we think about money and the way we think about debt. My goal when we get done, and it's a four-week series, when we get done, that we're deeply involved with our finances and we know where we're heading with our financial future, that we have the clearest picture that we've ever had of where we're at and we're passionate about where we're heading. Because I'm telling you, if you have a plan and you know where that plan is taking you, it's easy to get excited about it. And overall, the goal is to become unstrapped financially. And let me encourage you, and I'll say this a lot with different series, try to be here every week or try to tune in every week. And if you can't make it on a Sunday, that's fine. We have our services available on the website all week long. You can listen to the podcast, but try to keep up because the four weeks will build on each other. And I've got to believe that your future self, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, will, you'll, you'll thank yourself for doing that. I work with a lot of couples before they get married, and, and we make them take a financial class. And I tell them, look, I may not be alive when that day comes, but someday you're going to say, I'm glad that old man at church talked to us about this. So if at all possible, just try to uh, follow each of the four weeks whenever you do it. It doesn't have to be on a, on a Sunday. So with inflation at a, what, a 40 45-year high, I think they just released last week the January figures, 7.9% higher than the previous January in the cost of of goods. With that at an all-time high, with everything around us going up, gas prices going up, housing prices going up, groceries going up, is anybody stressed or anxious about money? Yeah, probably every single one of us. Why is that? Why does it consume so much of our time? Why do we worry, am I going to have enough? Or if you're retired, do I have enough to last me throughout my life? And the reason we stress about it and we worry about it all the time is because our system is built around it. Our world is built around it, right? You can't live really today without some type of currency, without some type of Money. So what happens is it starts to consume us. And if we were really honest, it consumes most of our thought life. We think about money more than we do faith, hope, and love. Can you imagine if we thought about faith, hope, and love from a biblical perspective as much as we think about money? But if we're honest, we don't. And that's because we have to have it to live. Anybody ever fought? You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody ever fought about money? Yeah. We fight with our husband. We'll fight with our wife. We'll fight with our kids. Sometimes we'll fight with our employer to to get a raise. We fight with retailers when we feel like we've been taken advantage of. 
because it's constantly on our mind and it causes problems. So if you want to take notes today, follow along with our notes. They're available on the Church Center app. If you haven't downloaded that, I want to encourage you uh, to download that. You can do all kinds of things and interact with the church through that app. You can fill out a connection card. You can uh, sign up for a group. You can check your kids in early on Sundays. I mean, the quicker you can get rid of them, the better, right? Uh, You can give. You can access our Sunday notes, um, prayer requests, all kinds of things. But here's the first learning. We often have serious relationship issues because of the problems and the pressures of money. But I'm convinced if we apply some of the stewardship principles we're going to learn and what God says about financial stewardship, we can begin to turn some of our problems around, especially our relationship problems. Now, in four weeks, am I promising your marriage is going to be better? No. Is your financial spreadsheet going to look better in four weeks? Probably not. Anybody will tell you it's difficult. It's difficult to get unstrapped. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes energy, but it can be done. And that's what we want to help all of us to do. And you may need more help. You may get through this here and say, hey, I need something else. I need a class. I need a book. I need some more information. And we'll, we'll help you with that. I'm excited that one of our groups, our young adult groups, that's that, you know, 20-something group, they are finishing up a series on money called If Money Talked. And just talking to a few of them, it's been incredibly eye-opening to them. Why is that? Because they don't teach this stuff anymore. When I was a kid, they taught us about budgeting, and they taught us about saving, and they taught us, they taught us how to write a check. Do any young people know what a check is? Probably not, right? Y'all use Venmo and all these fancy apps to make your your transactions, but they're excited about it because they're learning what God has to say about it. But when we're done, we'll have some of the tools and we'll have a lot of the information that can truly help us to start turning the corner. But I don't want to oversell it and make you think, oh, this is going to be so easy because it's not. It's hard work. But if we're willing to take a hard look at where we are, where we've been, where we want to head... I truly believe we can move towards peace and we can move towards more contentment in our life and more security in our life. And we're not doing this series to make any of us feel bad about the way maybe we've handled money in the past or the way we've handled our finances in the past. None of us have this right. None of us have all the answers. You talk to the greatest financial experts in the world, they don't have all the answers. It's constantly changing. But there's some basic principles that we can follow so that we're not tied so much to money. And that's one of the things I love about our church is, you know, each week we talk about something and and we evaluate ourselves. Maybe it's sin in our life. Maybe it's a mistake we've made. Maybe it's something we've done in a relationship and we adjust. That's the only way we get to where we can improve is if we know where we're at now. So together... What we'll do in the next four weeks, too, is we'll destroy some of the myths that we've believed about stewardship or we believed about money or, or, or finances. And so uh, to kind of get your mind thinking today, I want to start off with some statistics I found because, you know, you're obviously you're talking about money, you're talking about stewardship in church. How important is this topic to God? And this is from Tithely.com, and this is 
about you know, the, the, the tie-in between stewardship, money, finances, and the Scripture. There are approximately 2,000 verses in the Bible regarding money and possessions. That's more than prayer and faith together. The topic of money and possessions comprises about 15% of God's Word. That's crazy. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about money and possessions. Almost 25% of Jesus' words were about stewardship, financial stewardship, time stewardship, about managing well what God's given us. Roughly 42% of the parables dealt with money and possessions. And the, the one statistic that kind of blew my mind, there's three times as many references to money and possessions in the Bible as there is to love. Now think about that. We know what God says about love, right? And I think this shows us how important this is to God. Why is it so important to God? Because he desires our full devotion, right? Our full devotion if we're going to follow him. And he knew that someday Scott was going to come face to face with the temptations that money can bring about. He knows that money is constantly on our mind and it often competes for our heart. That's why God's so concerned about it. And it causes us difficulties. I mean, how many marriages is money the number one issue? Most that are having difficulties. How many college kids is money the number one issue? How many single adults is money the number one issue? Or, or worse yet, single parents trying to make it on their own. How many of them is this their number one concern? See, we have a financial problem in our culture. And you'll hear uh, people who work with finances every day say this. You'll hear people just on the street talk about this. But the truth is America's broke. I don't think that shocks any of you. I think you know that's true. As a matter of fact, Here's some more stats. Americans paid $120 billion in finance charges on credit cards alone last year. Just the finance charges, $120 billion. As a nation, as households, we hold $15 trillion of debt. That's just us, people. $4 trillion of that $15 trillion, it's consumer debt. There's nothing behind it. It's like credit card debt. That's astounding. 61% of the American population lives paycheck to paycheck. 61%. The stat that uh, really wasn't any surprise to me, according to Data Lab, the United States government took in $4.05 trillion last year. Way to go, Uncle Sam. That's awesome. But that same government spent $6.81 trillion. Now, you don't have to be a math major to figure out that ain't going to work very well for very long. That's why I say we're broke. Now, this next stat I'm going to give you, this one doesn't go into effect until next week because I'm going to ask you to eat out today when, when you leave, and, and I'll get to that later. But we now as a country spend more money eating out than we do buying groceries. That's crazy. We are exposed 
to between 6,000 and 10,000 commercial images a day. And do you know what they're designed to do? And listen, my daughter's a marketing major. I'm not against marketing. I think it's brilliant. But those 6,000 to 10,000 commercial images that we see every single day are all created to do the same thing. Create a level of dissatisfaction in each one of us about our life, but, but wait, right? Their product or their service will bring us that satisfaction where we're dissatisfied. Six to 10,000 of those images a day. And we hear those stats and we're like, wow, that's crazy. And, uh, but here's, here's the thing. We don't think it's us. We think it's someone else. But truthfully, we all fall into one or more of those categories. Now, what if I was to say, despite those stats, despite all that debt that we carry as households, the consumer debt, the government debt, what if I was to tell you that you're rich? What would you say? Say, I'm not rich. Right? It's easy to excuse ourselves from being rich because there's always somebody who's richer than we are. Right? But the truth is, and you've probably heard this before, you are rich. If you own a car, heck, if you are making payments and you own half a car or a quarter of the car and the bank owns the other three quarters, you are rich. You are in the top 5% of wealth in the entire world. Think about that for a minute. 95% of the world's population is poorer than we are if we own a car. But again, it's easy to excuse ourselves from being rich because we compare to the people that we live around and the people in our country, and there's always someone who's got more than we are, so we never feel like we're rich. So now that I've convinced you you're rich, you go home and you tell your neighbors, man, I'm rich. See how that goes for you. Um, But no matter where you're at on the socioeconomic scale... You're rich. Let's talk about debt for a minute. And in the third week, we're going to dive hard into debt with practical ways that we can get out of debt. But a lot of times we look at our balance sheet, or maybe you don't use a balance sheet, maybe you just got a simple budget. We look at our budget at home and we see all this stuff over here we owe, and then we see how much, you know, that we're bringing in, and we're like, I am drowning in debt. I am overwhelmed by the amount of debt that I'm carrying. And so we think when we look at our financial picture that we have a debt problem. But the truth is us as individuals and us as a country have something greater than a debt problem. And it's learning number two, we are often caught up in consumerism. Ultimately, that's our problem, right? Consumerism borders on greed. And so because we get caught up in consumerism, Having to have more, the end result of that is the debt, right? That's the byproduct of the problem that we're suffering from. Listen to the definition of consumerism. Consumerism is the idea that increasing our consumption of goods and services is always the goal. And that a person's well-being and happiness depend fundamentally on obtaining consumer goods and material possessions. So really, what we're drowning in is not debt. We're drowning in consumerism and greed. As individuals, a lot of times, as a government, that's the problem. Do you know what the antidote to consumerism is? It's gratitude and generosity. I know what you're thinking. Oh, here it comes. Here comes the big ass. No. But we got to understand how we got to where we're at 
before we can ever get to a place that we need to be. Now, as a church, as this body of Christ, this is an incredibly generous church. We have a generous spirit, a generous spirit amongst ourselves, a generous spirit in the community, but Christians as a whole are not very generous anymore. I saw a statistic that Christians today give away less than they did during the Great Depression. Think about that. People in the Great Depression, maybe you heard your parents talk about it, your grandparents talk about it. They didn't have anything. That's why you go into somebody's house that's 80 or 90 years old, and they kept everything. They haven't gotten rid of anything because of what they were raised in. But they gave away more money then than we do today, and we're the most prosperous we've ever been. What's the problem? It's a heart problem. That's why God talks about this so much. That's why it's so important because he's concerned about our heart because our financial status or our money competes for our loyalty to God. That's where the issue is. And if we're on this journey to really be cultivated into the image and the likeness of Jesus, then our heart has to follow, right? Jesus was always generous. He is always generous. And if you're a Christian, you got to have a heart of gratitude, right? And a heart of generosity. And I'm not talking about just generosity and gratitude with our money. I'm talking about our time, our abilities, our talents, our love. Are you generous with love? Are you generous with forgiveness? You know, we talked about forgiveness a couple weeks ago. We, we learn, oh yeah, I got to forgive, but are you really generous with that? Are you generous with patience? And we see this all through the Bible. The primary reason that God blesses us, and we are blessed as a nation, we truly are, it's so that we can bless others and we can be a blessing to others. So here's learning number three. Our hearts and actions show what we really believe about the work and the message of Jesus. Our hearts truly tell the picture and our actions tell the picture of what we truly believe about the message of Christ. And the problem with a lot of people is in our world today, and, and they don't want to admit it, but the problem is they have another God, right? They may have Jesus, but they also have another God. Or they don't have Jesus at all, and they've just got this other God. And you know what the God is of our culture? It's money. I love how our money says, in God we trust. No, it's in money we trust, if we were honest. It is truly the God of our culture. Think about it. We actually worship it. Think how it consumes us, how it consumes our thought life, how we're going to get more, how we're going to spend more, how we're going to accumulate more. It, it captures our passions, our devotion. It masters us. It controls us. Why is that? Why is that? Think about what money represents. Now, we have a choice. We can worship this God that quite honestly we can't see, right? We can't touch. Doesn't answer our prayers in the time frame often other than last night. He did answer my prayers. Um, other, other than in the time, you know, he doesn't always answer them the way we want or in our time frame. So we can choose to worship that God or we can worship the God of money. And if you think about what money represents, if we get a little bit of money, we start to feel a little sense of freedom, don't we? 
If we get a little extra money, we start to feel a little power and a little self-control, and we start to gain some independence. So when Jesus talks about this in the Scripture, he talks about it as a rival God. It is the rival God. That's why it's so important. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with money or having a lot of money. We just can't be enslaved to it. We can't serve two masters. We can't give our heart in two different directions. And God wants all of our heart. So we're going to look at a scripture verse or a scripture passage this morning in the book of Luke. And again, this is just to get us to think differently about this topic. And in the coming, way, in coming weeks, we're going to drill down to specifics. Next week, I've asked Abraham Hardy, a friend of mine, to come and to share about contentment because I think he's got it a lot more figured out than I do. And it's going to be great. And then the next week, we're going to talk about debt and how do we truly get out of debt and what happens if we don't and what's the damage, the potential damage that can be done. But it's not just a, today's not just hoping that you will think differently and I will think differently about financial fitness, but that we'll cultivate new habits. We'll begin to cultivate new habits with how we use our resources so that we can change our life and so that we're not constantly worried and anxious about what's going on in the world financially or what's going on in our world. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, and I just want to kind of set this up for you. So Jesus is teaching one day, and he's teaching about you know, what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of his. This is what commitment looks like. This is what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of mine. And, and he says things like, well, if you'll acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And he says, what you say in the dark is going to be exposed in the light. And then he talks about the power of God's spirit. And, and hey, if you're, if you're taken by the rulers, don't worry about what to say. God's spirit is going to help you with that. I mean, he is on a roll. And in the middle of teaching, in the middle of his speaking, somebody interrupts him and brings up something totally out of left field, not related to really what Jesus is talking about. This person obviously has something else on their mind, and it's found in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. This guy says this, someone out of the crowd said, teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. Jesus got to be like, what? Where did that come from? But obviously, he's worried about money. It's like, hey, Jesus, you know, my brother didn't Venmo me for mom's Mother's Day flowers. I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. He's obviously got something else on his mind other than what Jesus is talking about. Because again, it consumes our thoughts, especially when we're struggling with it. He has a family money problem. And he's bringing it to Jesus. Now, I know that's a hard concept for you to get. A family money problem? Right? Do families fight over money and inheritances? It's ugly, isn't it? When there's money in the equation. And when Jesus responds to this guy, he literally 
cuts right to the guy's heart. Because again, money is the rival God. Jesus has told us that. And here's what he says in Luke 12, 15. Speaking to the people, he went on. Take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. So he's teaching about being a fully devoted follower of his. Guy interrupts him, says, hey, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. And then the first thing Jesus says after that is guard against all kinds of greed. Protect yourself from all kinds of greed. Why would he say that? Because greed is deceptive. Right? Consumerism or greed, it's, it's deceiving. And it creeps into our life, and sometimes we don't even realize what's going on. You know how I know we don't know what's going on, and we don't ever think that we struggle with greed? I have yet to have anybody come to me and ask for counseling because of their greed. Hey, Scott, could you counsel me on my consumerism or my greed? No. We don't think we deal with it, but Jesus says, guard against it. Protect yourself against it because it's clever. It's sneaky. And we do struggle with it. And here's how I know we all struggle with it. Because if you think about money in our culture, what is it? It's our scoreboard. It's our scorecard. Right? We keep score based on money. We rate ourselves and rank ourselves against other people by how much I own or how much I have or how much I possess. So we score ourselves with the people around us. So we do struggle with it. And when we start to do a little better financially, human nature kicks in and it makes us believe, eh, I'm, I'm smarter than that person. We judge people's intelligence often in this culture based on how much money they have. We judge their worth based on how much they have. That's why it's so easy for us to be intimidated when people have a lot more money than we have. But Jesus says, protect yourself against it. Guard against it because it's sneaky. And after he tells this guy this, he launches then into a parable teaching about greed and money. He's like, all right, if we're going down this path, I'm just I'm going to go ahead and teach down this path. Look at Luke 12, 16 through 21. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. To which we could say, my, my apartment, my trailer, my house isn't big enough for all my junk. All right? Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods, and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Now, notice the possessive language in this parable. My, I'll, self, Every time he addresses the, resource, uh, the resources in this parable, he does so in the possessive. So when greed sneaks into our life, it deceives us into buying into the myth that everything I got is mine. I worked for it. 
I own it. This is mine. But the truth is, and, and you know if you followed Christ for any length of time, the truth is we don't own anything. It's all God's. Right? We're just the manager or the steward is the biblical word of what God has given us. Your, your roof over your head, your car, your, your trinkets, your food, your gas, whatever. Guess what? When you leave this earth, you're going to leave all that behind. You don't have to be spiritual to understand that fact. You don't even have to be smart at finances to understand that. But here's the truth, learning number four. One day we will leave behind all that we have enjoyed because we are simply the managers of God's goodness. That's it. Psalm 24, 1, the earth belongs to God. Everything in all the world is his. And I know what some of you are thinking. How could this guy have been so blind to the greed in his life? How could he have been so deceived? Easy. He had a human heart. What's the Bible say about our hearts? It's deceitful. That's why it's so important to God. Because money competes with our loyalty towards our Heavenly Father. It's hard. It's not hard to see what's wrong with the world or what's wrong with your spouse or what's wrong with your neighbors. But oftentimes it's hard to see what's going on in our life. But we need to know if Jesus warns us against this, we need to be on the lookout for it. And we need to protect ourselves from it. And God tells this guy, hey, guess what? You're going to die tonight and somebody else is going to get and enjoy everything that you've worked for. Jesus said that if we live the way this guy lived, then we're fools. Now, why did Jesus tell parables? To get through to people's heart. And I guarantee you, those people, just like some of you this morning, got tense when, when you saw the slide that, you know, we're talking about finances, right? I guarantee you those people got tense. Jesus told those parables to get through to people's hearts. I guarantee you they didn't walk away saying, boy, that Jesus, he's a good teacher, Right? No, it penetrated their hearts. They're like, man, he's right. And Jesus' goal wasn't to push them to some point of despair or to feel guilty or to feel bad. He told the parables to change our hearts, to change our hearts, knowing that by and large, our heart is deceitful. Above all else, it's deceitful. And so we need to move our hearts away from always wanting more and desiring more and needing more to a heart of generosity and a heart of gratitude, a heart like Christ had. That's what he's telling us. Here's another way to, uh, another version of that scripture verse we just read, Matthew 6, 21. The earth belongs to God. Everything in all the world is his. So I think a big question we have to ask and just be honest with ourselves, where's my heart right now? Where's my heart? And is my heart where I want my heart to be? And so over the next couple of weeks, we'll get practical. How do I get unstrapped for money? How can I not have to worry about this and think about this every single day of my life? Yes, we need it to live. Yes, we need to save for the future. Yes, we need to prepare, but it cannot consume our lives. And unfortunately, I think we're at a time in culture when that's exactly what it's doing. It's consuming every bit of who we are. I want us to get excited 
about where we're heading. Get the tools we need to head there. See, the things God talks to us about in the Scripture, it's just like, and when he comes right out and says, you need to protect yourself against this, we need to listen. Because this in here will deceive us. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much, first of all, for the blessings that you've given each and every one of us. Whether we have a little, whether we have a lot, God, you have blessed us, you've blessed our country tremendously. Forgive us when we failed to see that. Because all we see around us is people like us that live in the same country that we live in. Lord, help us to know that that blessing also brings responsibility, that you want us to bless others. Lord, help us to truly guard against our desire to always need something else and to start reflecting on the things you've already provided for us that we're grateful for. Lord, thank you for this church and just their generosity in this community and beyond. Lord, we want to continue to be a light for people to know you, to tear down those barriers that have, keep, that have kept people from learning about you. Lord, I also want to lift up our country, our world, or the people in Ukraine, the citizens of Russia, just the turmoil going on right now, that you would give world leaders and people of influence and people with some pull, you'd give them wisdom and guidance, Lord, that we could somehow get towards some peace. Lord, be with those in our church family that are sick, that are recovering, that are struggling in a relationship, or that have health issues. You know exactly what each of us is dealing with. So Lord, I ask you to answer those prayers. Help people to know that you haven't forgotten them, that you're, you're with them, and you're walking through whatever they're going through. Lord, we're grateful for you, for your son, Jesus. And we love you. Amen. All right, so a couple, couple of things. Sunday, March 27th, our next Blue Ridge Church 101 class, that is a class that uh, you kind of learn the style, the structure, the strategy of this church, why we do some of the things that we do. I firmly believe that before you get too committed in a church, you ought to know what they do. You ought to know some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So we do that once a quarter uh, just to kind of help people to understand more and more about the church. So if that's something that you'd like to do, you can sign up on that electronic connection card or you can stop by the hub on your way out and sign up. We'll feed you. It starts at 11.45. You'll be done by one hour and 15 minutes, I promise. Uh, we'll ha we have child care. So if that's something you'd like to do, I want to encourage you to sign up for that. Now, today, lunch. This, this, this doesn't it goes into effect next week. But if you were thinking about eating out today, I want to encourage you to go by Jimmy John's in Marketplace, the new place there in Christiansburg, because our young adult group, that 20-something group, is having a fundraiser today to offset some of their costs for their spring retreat. You know, they're going to uh, grow in fellowship. They're going to grow in their walk with Christ by doing this retreat. And, you know, kids in their early 20s, they don't have a lot of money. So they decided, hey, let's do some fundraisers. Let's offset some of these costs for people who are struggling. So 10% of what you eat uh, at, at Jimmy John's goes to help them. So if 
Tuesday nights? Oh, Jersey Mike's. Do not eat at Jimmy John's. Today. You can eat at Jimmy John's later. Today you eat at Jersey Mike's. I am sorry. I think I told the first group Jimmy John's, so, oh, well. I guess the church will just have to give you all a check. Uh, Jersey Mike's. And thank you for correcting me. See, just like Jesus, they interrupted me. No, that's a good interruption. You always let those, those go through. So Jersey Mike's. Y'all need to eat now because I made such a, a big mistake. But I, th- I think it's great what they're doing, and I think they're, they're, uh, it's pretty cool that they're willing as young adults to get together to learn more about Christ and to grow in their relationship with Christ. Listen, I hope you have a terrific Sunday afternoon. I can't believe you're all here. I really can't. This is, this is great. And uh, go home, take a nap, and have a great week, and come back and see us next Sunday. God bless you guys.